Women Taking the Lead, episode 156. Don't be in such a rush. I think most of us <laughs> say that, you know, you, you look back and you're like, oh, I should have enjoyed that more. I should have just been, okay, it, it'll come, it'll happen. And to just be a little more patient, enjoy my children and my husband a little bit more than I did. And know that sometimes enough is good enough and just the rest will come when it's time for it to come. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with PJ Jonas, who is a business owner, goat wrangler, entrepreneur, and mother. After getting goats to provide healthy milk for her eight children, she decided to put some excess milk into a batch of handmade soap. That decision was the beginning of Goat Milk Stuff, a growing goat milk products business that has been featured on The Today Show, The Doctors, the Huckabee Show, and in O, the Oprah Magazine. And what started with an initial small batch of soap has expanded into a host of goat milk items such as goat milk soaps, cheeses, candies, fudge, gelato, and more. My goodness, PJ, I'm getting hungry. Just reading your introduction. <laughs> it is clearly a team effort to keep the farm running, make and ship all the products, and welcome visitors to the farm. PJ's husband, eight children, aged nine to 19, and six full-time employees all work hard to pr promote the goodness of goat milk. PJ, that's just a little intro, and I'm sure some people are listening going, what? <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings. Yeah, my life's a little crazy to most people, and, and every once in a while it's a bit crazy to me too, but but I love it. Um, so as you said, I've got eight children. Um, I met my husband when we both went to the University of Virginia. He was studying education. I was studying um, systems engineering. And so we graduated together. We worked in Virginia for a few years. Um, that was when my first daughter was born. She was born in Virginia. And within probably about the first week of going back to work full time, I knew that that was not what I wanted to do. So we rearranged our entire lives, sold everything, moved to New Jersey where I was from, where I had family, and I became a stay-at-home mom. Um, I didn't mention that I homeschooled the children, so we started homeschooling as well. And I really started getting interested in you know, healthy living, um, how to feed them naturally, what was important. Um, and so I, I, I changed a lot of how we were living. And then when we moved to Indiana about 12 years ago, uh, I started pushing for farm animals. So I, I first got chickens and then I got the goats and then I got a whole bunch of other animals and we really stuck with the goats. The goats were by far our favorite. Um, we still have chickens cause you got to have eggs, but, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but the, the goats and the goat milk was just wonderful. It was so good to drink, you know, in many places, many States, um, including Indiana, raw milk is illegal to get. And so I wanted the, the raw milk for them. And I really liked what it was teaching the children. It was teaching them a strong work ethic, how to take care of animals, how to be accountable. And so that was kind of how I got into that. And then I had all the the children in the bathtub one day and was just letting them splash around. And for the first time ever, you know, I'd been into all this healthy eating for so long, but I picked up the baby wash. I'd always used to look at the back of the ingredients. And I was just appalled because it was filled with all these petroleum-based chemicals and all these chemicals I couldn't believe were in there. And I was like, how did I miss that over all these years? I was like, that's it. I'm going to learn how to make soap, but I'm never buying this stuff again. 
And so I figured it out. I figured out how to make soap. And, you know, most soap is just made with water, but I had all this extra goat milk. So I figured I'd just put the goat milk in instead. And when I made the soap and put it in the shower, my husband's fingers um, stopped cracking and splitting. So that was kind of my, you know, my business aha moment that I, that I had something that could really make a difference and didn't really realize at the time how big a problem eczema was because none of my, none of my family has eczema. And when we started selling the soap, um, we started giving out free samples and I, I started hearing back from people that the, the soap was amazing and it, um, it helped or healed their eczema. And they just started word of mouth telling everybody they knew. And that was kind of, of the beginning of how goat milk stuff really kind of took off. And I was like, okay, I, this is really going to be a business and, and I'm really going to have to figure out what the heck I'm doing and how to do this. I know, like really starting from a passion, right? And a dedication to having your children live a, a healthy lifestyle. Um, and, and, you know, the the homeschooling and really built this organically. I think when you read your bio right now, like where my mind goes is like, how did that, whoa, like that, that was quick. But hearing you tell the story, it was just one step after another. It all happened organically and everything built upon each other. So it all makes sense. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and that it was, it was your mission and your, your, your passion and your dedication for your children that now you're able to help so many other people. And I love stories like that. Well, and I tell people all the time, you know, because people will come, come to me, look at, they're like, okay, well, what can I do to make money? Like you, do. I'm like, okay, well, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, you can, there are people who are just like, okay, I'd like to go out and buy a business and they go out and find one that looks profitable. I buy that. And that works for some people. But if you can find something that you believe in, I have found that your success is going to be so much more intense and, and faster and, and able to do it because people can sense your sincerity and that this is something that you believe in that you use that you wouldn't do without. And so it just helps everything. Mm -hmm. And the obstacles don't occur the same way as it does for somebody who's just in it to make money. You know, when plans go awry and things don't work out the way you wanted it to, there's a lot of frustration. But when you come from a place where it's just part of your mission, an obstacle is just another thing you have to get over. Okay, well, this is happening. So how do we how do we get this done? Well, exactly. And that and, and how you react to it is going to change too, where it's going to be you know, oh, I bought into a bad business or, okay, no, this is, people need this. I need this. This works for me. All my friends, it works for them. How do I get this out and how do I tell more people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, for P PJ, you know, you, you're definitely on the road. You've been featured in some pretty, you know, like high scale places that, especially what jumps out at me is the Today Show and the Oprah magazine that, you know, that, that tells me like you're, you are really onto something and you are on your way. And I can hear like the self-assurance and the confidence in your voice, like this is happening. It's going to get even bigger. Um, but take us back to a time when, you know, you were playing small. I think those are the moments that, that we all can connect with those moments of self-doubt or when we didn't realize our true value and maybe only later, you know, shook our head thinking, my goodness, why, why did I think I was not capable of that? So if you could take us back to that time, share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Yeah. So I, I have to be honest with you. I much more tend to get in over my head and jump in than I ever do to <laughs> underestimate <laughs> what we can do. But I can tell you about the time when the um, the business has grown. So I started in 2008. And by 2009, the business had really grown to the point where um, 
it was a little more than the children and I could handle. And my husband would come home and he would help on the weekends and in the evenings, but it, it still wasn't enough. And the business was growing. Everything looked great. Um, but it wasn't yet generating enough income to make up for his salary. And so we had a big family meeting. We got everybody at the table. And, you know, Jade was two at the time. Um, she was real little. She just kind of voted the way everybody else voted. <laughs> um, we had a meeting. We said, okay, look, you know, here, here's the choice. You guys know we're, we're doing more than we can handle. The business looks good, but it's not making enough for dad um, to, you know, totally give up his paycheck unless we do some massive things and we run a deficit and there's going to be no ice cream and there's going to be no cheese and there's going to be no, you know, um, anything fancy if we do this. And, um, we, we all decided to, that it was worth the risk to have my husband leave his job and come on full time. And that was a huge lesson for me, um, in building my confidence because I knew from that, that, that we were all in this together and we were all going to do whatever it took to make goat milk stuff a success. You know, it didn't matter how much my husband and I had to work. It didn't matter, you know, that we had to, you know, continue with hand-me-downs, which we always did anyway. But I'm trying to think of a good example of what the children sacrificed. But we didn't go anywhere. We didn't do anything until, you know, we had built the business up where it was supporting us. And knowing that you can get through those tough times help, especially when the economy goes up and down and sales go up and down. And, um, you know, at some point when you're starting the business, you're going to, it's going to keep growing and growing, but at some point you're going to hit the point where sales don't grow for a while. Um, and how you react to that says a lot about, uh, (laughs) you as a, as a leader and where your business is going to end up going down the line. And what I really love about this story, PJ, is that you included your children in the decision. This wasn't one of those moments where you said, okay, kids, mom and dad have had a discussion and here's what we decided. So this is what your life is going to look like until we start bringing in more money in the business. It was you get a seat at the table, you get a vote. We're deciding on this as a family. And because of that, you had their complete buy-in. I bet you didn't hear any of them like complaining endlessly about, you know, (laughs) children. So there was the occasional complaint, but no, not really. (laughs) Right. Endlessly. I know. Cause you know, I'm keeping that in perspective, you know, I mean, we all at some point, even when we made decisions for ourselves can be like, Oh, I can't believe I have to do this, you know? (laughs) Well, and and the children, you know, I, I always say that I'm not growing children, I'm growing future adults. And so I want them understanding what business is really like, because um, we are going to hand this business over to them. In fact, uh, one thing I tell people is I, we, I have a 10 year plan. We're down to nine years. It's when my youngest turns, um, 18 that I am out of the business and I have told them that, you know, I'll be happy to consult. I'll be happy to give interviews for them. I'll be happy to give, you know, tours here on the farm, but I'm not making a business decision. I'm not, you know, paying a bill. I'm not hiring anybody, firing anybody that they're going to have to do that. And, So in order to do that, they have to be involved in every decision. They have to learn how to make those decisions now, you know, watching us being involved, you know, because I can still lead them a lot at at this way and kind of turn them where I want them to go, (laughs) where I think we should go. But Mm -hmm. my oldest son, who's 18, he's now starting to push back. He'll disagree with me. He'll disagree with me um, firmly, which is great. I think that's wonderful that he's starting to get his own opinion on how things will go. So it's, yeah, it's from the very beginning when she, the youngest was two, <laughs> they've been involved. I love this. And I, I can appreciate for, for those listening, like 
yes, PJ's talking about a, a business decision made within the family, but this translates to businesses where you have team members that you're not related to, right? Yeah. You've hired them, but people people are bought into decisions that they had a hand in shaping. Right. You can, you, know, bring, so, you can bring people along with you kicking and screaming, or you can get them involved before it, get the buy-in and say, okay, yeah, I know this is going to be a tough decision. Should we do it? Should we not do it? You know, when you have mm-hmm. a lot of power as the leader to, you know, I don't want to say manipulate because that's not what I do at all, but, you know, show them all the really good things that would happen if we'd make this tough decision. And it, it does. It brings the team along with you um, as opposed to having people behind your back trying to to derail whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And the consequences of not making the decision, I think, can be just as powerful. Like if we continue to go on the way we are going, here's what's life. Life is going to start looking like, you know, that's amazing. Now, PJ, share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. It could have been like at the snap of a fingers, like instant clarity or something that developed over time. But there's usually a moment when you know, you're ready to take action. So share with us that moment and the steps you took that led to your success. Well, I designed Goat Milk Stuff to be an internet-based business. That was that was my model. My children were really young. We were homeschooling. I wanted to be able to you know, <laughs> sit in our pajamas all day if we had to, or if I had a sick child or whatnot, and still have the business running. Um, when we outgrew our initial farm, our initial farm was actually only three acres. We started this on just three acres. Um, our new farm has 36 acres. Um, and as we we made that transition and came to this new farm, the location of the new farm actually backs up to Highway 65, which is the major north-south route through the middle of the country. It goes from Chicago all the way down south. And so we get a lot of traffic um, back behind us. We have billboards um, that, you know, we get a lot of foot traffic in from the billboards. But th- I had to make the decision whether or not to stay internet-based or grow um to becoming, you know, more of an agritourism, more of a a thing that people can come and visit. And that was a really difficult decision because the family lost a lot of our flexibility when we all of a sudden had store hours that we had to, um, that we had to keep and you have to be steady and you have to be here. And it doesn't matter if, you know, someone's having a a wedding on a Saturday and you've said that the store is going to be open till four on Saturday. What are you going to do? Who's going to go to the wedding? Who's going to stay here and man the store? So it it wasn't an easy decision. And I really struggled with it for a very long time. And then all of a sudden I got a, um, I was talking with a customer and she said something. I don't, I actually have it written down in my other, in my other office. Um, but she said something to me to the effect of coming here and visiting you and seeing what you do and and how you train your children and how capable the children are gives me hope for the future. And I was like, oh man, I got to have a <laughs> farm store agritourism. And it was just like this instant, like, okay, God, I hear you. Know, I've been praying about this. I hear you. That was your answer. This is, we give people hope. We give people a way that you know, it, it doesn't have to be all, all, all big corporate and, and everything. You can support your family and have a small business and be true to your beliefs and be authentic. And people want to come and they want to see that. And that's inspirational and that helps people in their own life. So not only am I providing, you know, goat milk products that people can, can eat or use on their skin and it's going to help them that way, but I can help them kind of give them ideas and inspiration for the rest of their lives. So that was, that was a big moment for me. 
That's huge. And it really captures the whole picture of a business and how people make decisions. Because yes, you can have a great product, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to buy your product. But when people know the story behind the product and the people behind the product, then there's brand loyalty. And they, they buy because they like you, they identify with you, and they share your values. Yeah. And that's, you know, as a business owner, especially one that produces a product, brand loyalty is huge because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who just shop for the lowest price. You know, that's what's most important to them. And you can almost always find someone running a sale, someone cheaper, someone do that, that you can't sustain your business if you maintain that kind of prices. You know, <laughs> it's a fight down to the bottom and, and you're going to be out of business if you, if you try and do that. Um, and so knowing that can really help you combat that. Absolutely. You know, and it's sharing the story. It's sharing your values, being open about it. And clearly this woman, she got a sense of who you were and what you were up to and fell in love with it. Yeah. And that was your message. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, PJ. And what I'm curious about is your leadership style. I mean, I definitely have a sense of it after talking to you for just a, a short while. Um, and a, a large part of your team is your family, but I don't think that changes much about how you deal, how you would deal with anybody, any team members and the, the, the six other full-time employees you have. What I'm interested in is how you would describe your leadership style. Um, you know, I, I definitely take my employees in and make them part of the family. <laughs> you know, when you've got a business and you've got, you know, my youngest is now nine, but like I said, she started when we were two. Um, it, you know, you, you have to kind of be willing to, you know, accept that there are children here and that the children were going to act like children and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to, you know, bicker with their siblings at some times, but they still probably know more about this business than you do. <laughs> and so that, that's been hard for, for some of the employees to, you know, to kind of, they'll say something and, and be corrected by a six-year-old. Um, so I try and make them part of the family. I try and encourage them. Um, I set very high standards. I, I have very, very high standards. And quite honestly, probably that can't be met a lot of the time. Um, but it's not something that there's you know, harsh penalties, but that I always want to give them a reason to strive to be better and strive to improve. And, um, you know, so, yeah, so that's kind of how I, how I lead pretty much just, just treating them like I do my own children. Yeah. And considering the, the pretty unusual circumstances of your business and the situation, what I'm really curious about is, you know, the, the biggest leadership or business challenge you're faced right now. And I'm sure everyone who's listening is like, oh yeah, what, <laughs> what is the biggest one? What would you say is your biggest leadership or business challenge? Um, I can't find enough employees. Um, and so I've, I've, you know, really kind of found that my weakness is, uh, the interviewing part is figuring out ahead of time, who's going to fit in here without getting them in here and then be like, Oh gosh, that was a bad hire. That shouldn't, you know, that I shouldn't have hired that person. Um, so that's when something that I've really been, you know, reading a lot of books on trying to figure out, but I, so much of it, I think is just, is just practice. And <laughs> I think mm -hmm. some people are gifted with that and, and some people aren't, you know, we're, we're looking into some of the personality typing to see if maybe that can give us a clue as to um, who's going to be better. So we've really just, uh, we've slowed down our hiring process in that we make the decision over a much longer time period. 
And so mm-hmm. that we we lose some good people because of that, because, you know, they need a quick decision. You know, they don't want to get to know us over a couple of months. Um, but, you know, I found that if I can, you know, get them in, you know, when, when they have days off, not just have them take a vacation day, but if, you know, come in on an evening and work with us and see whether they like it, whether we like it, because every, every employee has pros and cons, you know, every child has pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses Mm -hmm. and figuring out if there's, if you can work with them, um, with their weaknesses, if they fit in to, to the business and the culture, because, you know, it's so true what they say. You bring someone in who's not a good fit and it just brings everybody down. So true. Oh my goodness. You know, through no fault of their own, they're just the wrong fit. They don't fit the culture, the values. And I think that's really great to bring somebody in because I think in the interview, no matter how well you describe your operation, what it looks like, the day-to-day, the challenges, the unique things that come up, people really can't wrap their mind around all of it unless they're in it and they're experiencing it and then they can decide for themselves. So I think that's a great addition to your hiring process because, you know, the other piece of it is, and we hear this a lot too, um, you know, turnover is costly. Oh yeah. It's huge. And and then just the drop in morale and the amount of time that you put in there. You know, I use the example, we had someone that we hired who was great person, totally capable, good worker, all of that, but he needed constant positive feedback constant. I am a working mother with eight children that I homeschool on a farm. I I just wasn't around him enough to give him the kind of positive feedback that he needed on a day-to-day basis. Um, And so we ended up, he ended up leaving and and, um, we're still in touch with him and now he's in sales and he gets constant feedback and it's such a better fit for him because he needs that. He needs that to keep going, to keep himself energized and whatnot. And so that's really hard to learn about people and it's really hard to learn about yourself unless you're exposed to it in some sort of way. That's a great example, PJ, because I was trying to really underscore, it's not that they're bad people. Like that's not what makes them a bad fit. It's just not the right fit. And that's a perfect example of like, he didn't work in, you know, in a, in a retail operation side of things, but in sales where it's fast paced and you're getting a lot of feedback. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> so, that. and that's hard, especially if, you know, if someone leaves another job and comes on and then you're like, okay, how do I fire this person? <laughs> you know, because they just gave up everything and moved here and now they rely on me and stuff. So it, it's hard to be, especially when you, you treat them like family to, uh, mm-hmm. to make those, those tough decisions. And, um, definitely over the years, I've tried to get better at that, but it's still something I need to work on. Mm, I don't think anything makes it easier, but I do like how you said, like, you just make the process a little bit longer. They, you know, there's a few more hoops, but that helps you really at least get to the point where you're 90% sure, you know, that you're making the right hire and not to scare anyone. But I know some seasoned vets at hiring. They've been in HR forever. They've done recruiting and they are, they do not have a perfect score. For hiring either. It's so hard. it really is a skill. <laughs> it really is a skill. And at the end of the day, to some extent, like a lot of things in life, it's the roll of a dice. Yeah. You take a chance. Yep. So agreed. Love it. And PJ, what is one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about? So we just built, we spent the past year and a half on a massive construction project and uh, we built a new uh, we call it our kitchens building. It's got two kitchens. It's got our cheese kitchen and our candy kitchen. And we built a machine milking parlor. So up until a year ago, all we've done is soap and bath and body stuff. Soap, lip balms, you know, deodorants, things like that. Now we're into food. And it is <laughs> it is probably the biggest and scariest jump we have made. Because when you move into food, 
you move into all the the federal regulation and all the testing. You know, and I tell people, okay, so I fed my my kids raw goat milk since they were born, and never once have any of us gotten sick from it. But now. And I know it's a safe product, but now I have to prove that <laughs> to everybody else and have records for it and be able to track it and, you know, be able to test and show all of these things. So that's, you know, having the cheese, we're, we're experimenting right now with a hard pressed cheese and it's so good. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And figuring out, I have to figure out packaging and I have to figure out, well, how do I want the rind? Do I want it a washed rind or an oiled rind or a waxed rind and, and all of this stuff? So I'm really it's been a huge challenge going into the food, much bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. I figured, oh, I only made goat milk cheese for my family for for a decade. I, this isn't going to be very hard. But you know, multiplying it by the size that I'm doing it now and doing it day in and day out, and um, it's it, it's it's been it's been crazy, crazy fun, but crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! And you know. If it, you know, the way you describe it, it sounds like it is phenomenal. So it is worth it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know when we're going to launch it because I'm trying to get it so it's consistent. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, the, the hard part about it is my family just has to eat all our test, our test batches. So like my son said the other day, he's like, I feel like all I eat is cheese. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's good for you, cheese. <laughs> I know. Tasty cheese. Yeah. <laughs> MPJ, you've described it a little bit, but you know, um, when my guests come on, they're they're up to these big, awesome things, and you've highlighted your family and the six employees. What I'm curious about is, is there um, an extended support system? Like, who are the people around you that help you to do what you do in such a big way and do more of it? You know, I I sometimes wish that I had a better support system. Um, more outside the family to give kind of an outside look that isn't so isn't so biased. Um, I have a, a good accountant. I have a good lawyer, but I really don't have the other entrepreneurs looking at my business saying, "Hey, have you ever thought about that?" You know, "Hey, have you ever thought about this?" Um, I think you should do that. When we when we first started, we went down to our um, local small business development center and spoke with them, and and that was helpful at the beginning. I'm not sure, you know, at this stage, um, how much more help they would give. Probably. Uh, probably a lot if I gave them the chance, but um, it, it's time, you know, developing those, those support systems takes time. And, you know, right now, I mean, to be perfectly honest, my kids are going to be out of the house before I know it. You know, my oldest is 19. The, the top three are taking 19, 18, 16 year olds are all taking college classes at our local community college. Um, you know, my baby's nine years old. I don't know how had that happened. And I'm hesitant to, put so much of that time into outside support systems when I want to put it into them. You know, the business is growing, the business is um, healthy. And so, yeah, I could probably, you know, double it if I put that time and effort in, but I'm not ready to do that just yet. Um, And so my husband is by far my biggest support. He and I try and take a walk every day where we just talk about uh, the business or the children or whatnot. Um, And so, he's the one that, that I definitely rely on the most. And it's been fun as my older two, you know, my 19 and 18 year old, um, I've been talking to them more lately and, and getting, you know, kind of their opinions and, and stuff. And, you know, they're, they're pretty smart kids. They got some, some good heads on their shoulders. So they, they, and they give it, you know, that perspective from a younger perspective. And my son's always, 
you know, oh, we can do this. We can do anything. I'm like, oh, you're just like me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be careful with that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And you underscore something that's really important and something I talk to my clients quite a bit about too is, you know, know that the decisions you make are going to impact your lifestyle. So you really have to know what lifestyle you want to live. And for you right now with the ages your kids are at, you want to be spending time with them. And you probably know how much time, and I'm sure it fluctuates based on their needs and your needs, but you know that to go to outside resources to really ramp up the business even faster than it's growing right now would be a sacrifice to your lifestyle, which you don't want to make. So it's good to know so you can be at peace with that decision. Yeah, because you do have to decide how fast you want to grow. Someone gave me a piece of advice when I was first starting out. They said very few businesses um, go out of business for growing too slowly, but there are a ton of businesses that go out because they grow too quickly. And and that's so true. I mean, cash flow is what keeps the business going. There are so many profitable businesses that go out of business because they don't have the cash flow. And that a lot of that comes from rapid growth. And so if you can be slow and steady you know, yeah, sometimes you like, oh, I could be doing so much more, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's really not. Not at all. All right, PJ, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that you have that helps to make you a better leader? I am always learning. I am never content to stay where I'm at. I'm always trying um, to learn new things and read new, you know, new books and listen to good podcasts and um, figure out how I can do what I do better. So I think that's um, probably the best thing is that I, I'm not comfortable with the status quo and I never feel like I've arrived and I'm some great leader. Then you probably have a great book <laughs> to recommend as well. And I'm interested in a book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership. So this one's going to be a little odd, but this is the book I generally recommend because I love it. It's called Lady on the Hill, and I, I want to say the author is Covington, if I remember correctly. And it's the story of the Biltmore Estate. Have you Are you familiar with the Biltmore? No. Okay, so the Biltmore is the largest private residence in America. Um, it was built by Vanderbilt, and um, it's huge. It's massive. It's in North Carolina, and you can go and tour it. It's amazing to tour. I totally recommend it. But... It, you know, the, their fortunes lessened and they couldn't afford the upkeep of it. And most private residences have gone into where they're, they become um, publicly owned. They get, you know, they're nonprofits, they're um, bought by a museum or by the government or whatnot. Well, it's the story of how the grandson, I believe, um, rescued the Biltmore and turned it into this thriving business that I think they have like 600 employees or something like that. They, it's it's amazing the story of how he turned it around, how everybody told him he couldn't do it and how he did it. And so it's it's very inspirational. Mm-hmm. And there's that core value of I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, I can. <laughs> yeah, tell, the best way for me to succeed is to tell me I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, PJ, what advice would you give your younger self? Don't be in such a rush. You know, I, I, I think most of us <laughs> say that, you know, you, you look back and you're like, oh, I should have enjoyed that more. I should have just been, okay, it, it'll come, it'll happen. Um, and to just be a little more patient, enjoy my children and my husband a little bit more um, than I did. And know that, you know, <laughs> sometimes enough is good enough and just the rest will come when you, when it's time for it to come. Mm, that's good advice at any age both of them. (laughs) All right, PJ, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. 
So I um, went to the University of Virginia, as I mentioned before, and Thomas Jefferson is accredited with a quote that says, I'm a great believer in luck, and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. And that is something that um, I, I teach my children. <laughs> you know, we, we all hear stories sometimes of overnight successes, and we don't um, hear about the years and years of hard work that it went into becoming an overnight success. Um, and so don't ever expect anything to be handed to you. You know, you're going to have to work for it. And work isn't a bad thing. I teach my children that all the time. You know, we work hard on a farm. It, you know, there's constant, ghosts need to be milked twice a day every day. It, we don't have a day off. We work, you know, the, the farm store is open six days a week. And Sunday, yeah, we don't have it open on Sunday, but we have to take care of the goats on Sunday. So it's not like we ever really have a complete day off unless we leave the farm. And it's not something that you you want to try and run away from. You know, what you want to do is find work that you love and work that you enjoy and work that's meaningful. Um, I tell my kids, if you know, we have the best kind of work, we get to help people with their skin and help people to eat good, healthy goat milk foods. And we get to work together as a family. You know, my husband doesn't have to go off to a separate job. He gets to stay here and see his kids grow up. And and that's the best. I know, I can't I can't imagine designing a better lifestyle than that. Mm -hmm. I, I heard a talk recently where it said you can look at anything in from two ways. You can look at it as an obligation or as an opportunity. And I find when I, when I'm thinking in terms of like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I started changing my language around that too. I get to do this. Yeah. I, I get to do this. And it completely changes my outlook and how I experience stress. Like I am less stressed when I come from the perspective of I get to do this. This is an opportunity for me. And I think that that's fantastic. Yeah. It makes a difference. And it sure does. And PJ, lastly, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? So you can get to me straight through my website, which is www.goatmilkstuff.com. Um, and, and you can get to me anywhere from there. We are on all social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter, all under Goat Milk Stuff. Um, I do Instagram and Pinterest. I don't do any of them super great because I'm very busy, but I do my best. I try and share a lot of what the family's up to um, on the on the Facebook page. Um and leave some of the more business stuff for the 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 website itself. So um, I also have a podcast that I don't do anymore. That's that you can get to from the website and the blog. So that's oh awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's why your sound quality is so great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I also have a free bar of soap for your listeners. If they'd like to try the goat milk soap, they can um, get to it. All they have to do is go to the website at goatmilkstuff.com slash women. And that's plural W-O-M-E-N soap for the podcast. So goatmilkstuff.com slash women soap. Yay. I already knew I was going to go to the website and check it out and buy something just from the way you described everything. So thank you so much for that, PJ. That's very generous. Absolutely. Nice. And so for those of you who are listening in, you can find all the links and resources that PJ shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. If you put PJ in the search bar, her show notes page, the blog that accompanies this post will come right up and you can find the links to her website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram page. And I'm sure you have tons of pictures of what life is like on the farm, which I'm very interested oh, in yeah. going, checking out. So PJ, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. This was wonderful. Thanks for having me, Jody. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. 
Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.